Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Hey, everybody. It's Jared. Welcome to another episode of All Things Crime. I'm excited to be here, especially because I get to talk again with my good friend, Cloyd Steiger. And uh, the reason that we're doing today, I know you guys are probably just totally sick of hearing from Cloyd. He is, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cloyd is not only an amazing friend, but he's also one of the most seasoned homicide detectives that I know. And I wanted to have him on really quick because of this quadruple murder that's up in at the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. And it's Moscow, not Moscow, for all of the, uh, those of you that are on the East Coast. So let me give you a little history. Number one, my dad and my mom, but my dad especially graduated from University of Idaho. I was born and raised in Idaho. So I am a Idaho boy through and through. I live in Utah now, but all of my roots are in Idaho. I have many extended family that have gone to University of Idaho. It's a fantastic place up there. Moscow is one of the most beautiful areas you'll ever see. And it's a beautiful little town. It's right across the border from Pullman, Washington, where Washington State University is. So a lot of students up there. And it's just a great area. And if you've never visited up there, it's definitely something you need to put on your bucket list. Now, with that background, I was as shocked as anybody to hear that four University of Idaho students were murdered there. And not just murdered, but stabbed to death, which is an extremely violent way to go. And whoever killed them especially using basically a Rambo-style knife. Many people are speculating that it was a K-bar, which is a military knife that especially the Marines use. They say it's not extremely effective in slashing or in stabbing, and so had to take even extra effort. But uh, I wanted to have Cloyd on there because, Cloyd, in your, what, 20-some years of... You're like 400 years old, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured. So, no, but Cloyd, you had 22 years as a homicide detective uh, with the Seattle PD, which is huge. And I know you, you investigated over 250 murders, and right. you're still investigating murders in as a cold case with ASOC. And so, I, I don't know if you know, but how many of those were stabbings? <sighs> Just off the, you know, I don't have any idea really, but I would say 30, 35 of those were stabbings. I'm guessing that's just a wild guess, but I mean, it, it wasn't one or two. It was many stabbings. That I many stabbings. Okay. Which I was positive that would be the case. So I can't think of anybody that I think would be better to come on here and kind of discuss this. So the latest of that's come out and today's 22nd. So this quadruple homicide happened about a week ago and the latest news that I've heard is that number one, the coroner came out and said that they did use kind of a, like I said, a Rambo style K-bar type of a knife. And so from your experience, what kind of effort would it take for somebody to stab four people, number one? And I'm not sure how many of them were in the same rooms. I mean, not a lot of evidence has come out as far as that goes, but I know from stabbings that I've seen in the past, it actually takes a lot of effort to stab somebody to death. Well, yeah, I would say that 85 or 90% of the people that are stabbed do not die from it. 
and people are surprised to hear from that. Just like I, I like 60% of people who are shot do not die from it. But so you have to stab multiple times. It has to stab. I used to have a K bar. It's a pretty big knife. You have to put effort behind it. But if you're in a rage or a frenzy, like this person probably was, it wouldn't be super difficult. Well, of course, we're all at a disadvantage because we don't have the case file. We don't know the intimate details. Although I would like to say that they're releasing way too much evidence or too much information in this case because you want to hold something back that the person can tell you if you get a person of interest to show that they're not just some nut confessing to something they didn't do. So, you know, you got to keep these cases close to the vest. And they tried. I think they're because of a little bit of public pressure, they're giving out a little more than they probably should. I wouldn't, if that was my case, I wouldn't give out this much. I wouldn't have said it was a stabbing. I'd have just said homicidal violence. Let the person tell me they were stabbed, you know, or, or things like that. But anyway, it does take a lot. I heard some speculation they may have all been in bed in separate bedrooms. So in that case, it'd be easier than they weren't all in the same room, you wouldn't think, and awake. It'd be easier to stab multiple people if you came in on them. I'm hearing some speculation that this is like Kyle Omega with Bundy, and I wouldn't go that far at all. I wouldn't. It's just, first of all, it's way too early. And second of all, you don't know this guy's motivations. You don't know what's going on. Is this guy a guy who knows one or more of these people? Is he a guy that has just seen them and obsessed about one or two of the people? You know, some things I'd hope. First of all, I'd hope that the police in Moscow, Idaho, don't wait around for an FBI profile and use that as a guide because that that's just information. You take it with a grain of salt, go out and do do your di- due diligence. I would hope in this kind of case, if there were defensive wounds on some of the victims, they might've been awakened. I would hope you'd have fingernail scrapings or something that'll give you a DNA sample. I wouldn't, if I were the police there, limit my search of the person to Idaho. I mean, like you said, you're right by Washington, that area and anybody in there. Now there's this story that came out about a guy on campus with a knife a couple months ago in September, I think. If that's true, is there video surveillance of that person? Did anybody, could anybody divide? You'd think there'd be video all over that campus. And if there was a guy walking around with a knife threatening people, you'd think they'd retain that. I don't know, though. And so you'd want to look at that. The thing is, the detectives in these cases, when they're not very experienced, they have a tendency to overthink the case. They have a tendency to look for the guy who turns to smoke and goes underneath doors. This is just a guy, right? He's a guy, and he's a, he obviously he's got problems. He's got issues. So I would go in those areas, backgrounds, computer checks of all the victims' computers, any unusual emails, texts, anything like that, of course. The other problem you have here in a case like this, especially with a small agency like Moscow Police, is the number of tips are getting, they've got to get a tremendous number of tips from again. And the majority of those have nothing to do with this case. So they need to have someone other than the primary detectives take those tips and triage them and go through them and separate them into groups. Like this one really should be followed up on. Maybe in the middle and the third one, is no, there's no useful information at all to just narrow those down. The other thing that tends to happen with small agencies like this is commanders run the every step of the investigation, which is always a bad idea because they usually don't have any experience in this kind of thing. They need people that know what they're doing and bring them in. And there's no problem round table in it and stuff every day, have a briefing in the morning and discuss what everybody else is doing and make a plan and go out and do it. But don't let a chief of police or an assistant chief or a commander run the day operations because they have no idea what they're doing. No idea at all. Because yeah. they, they don't do this. They're administrators. They're good for writing a budget, but not for doing the actual steps of these things. So that's some of the, my first observations. Yeah. Well, which is really interesting. And having lived in Idaho, now granted, this is, you know, 30 some years ago, but I lived in Idaho for, or in Moscow for 10 years. 
And, uh, the, you know, while my dad was getting his uh, degrees. So, yes, very uh, small town, population 25,000. I bet it hasn't changed yet. Kudos. Yeah. No, and, uh, you know, part of that is by design. But the kudos to the Moscow PD, though, that they, I think that they realized, my understanding is they haven't had a homicide up there for seven years. Yeah. So that's, and that's not unusual in, in cities that size. And that's why you need to reach right. out and get help from people that know what they're doing in these cases instead yeah, of trying my, to. My understanding them. is they have brought in the Idaho State Police investigative team as well as there's FBI ERTs there. So yeah. pros and cons to both of that. But at least they, I think they understood really quickly that this is something that's going to need a lot more resources than what just the Moscow PD would have. Oh, yeah. So, and this is going to be thought for generations to be the biggest case ever to happen in Moscow. I mean, that's the thing. But you have to you still just have to investigate the murder and use due diligence and do the right things. Follow the steps. Track anybody. Are there any? I'm sure they've done all this. Are there other surveillance camp video other than the food truck showing these women? You know, are there ring cameras on nearby houses or buildings? I actually saw an interview of a neighbor and they said they don't have any surveillance cameras around. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a kind of a secluded house that's, I guess it would be, you know, uh, U of I appro- approved, but. Yeah, I think it's off campus, you know but right near Greek Row in that area. Yeah. 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 So if there's not a lot of surveillance cameras, then that's going to be even more difficult. But. Well, then you got to look at when they were at the party or wherever earlier, was mm-hmm. anybody bothering them or staring? Did anybody see anybody just kind of staring at them? Is this someone, my guess would be, this isn't someone that decided that night to do this. This is somebody that's been obsessing for a while and thinking about it. Again, though, you got to look at, you can't assume this is your classic quote unquote serial killer. Everybody's in a rush to say that. And you can't assume that. You can't discount it either. First of all, it's a series of one. So you don't have any other necessarily, although I heard there's a case in Oregon that's kind of similar a couple of years ago. But, but you do have to look for like, because these guys usually, you know, like fires, they cruelty to animals. I heard something about a, a neighborhood dog somewhere nearby being skinned, not just yeah, not too long ago. And, ago. Yeah. And then, but then it's been poo-pooed by allegedly, I haven't heard this directly, saying, no, that was an animal that did it. Animals don't skin dogs. I mean, they eat them, but they're not going to skin them, right? They don't have the tools. So, I mean, look yeah, into that. Isn't that legit or not? And is that related? Maybe not, but you have to have due diligence and right. look at this. Also, some of the wildfires that were, have been set in the area, you know, you have to look at that too. Is that something that's related? Maybe not, but you can't discount, you can't discount it offhand. You have to, this is a big case. You have to look at all angles, but you also have to stay focused. It's kind of a, you know, a dichotomy. You have to be focused on the basic stuff, but you have to be able to think outside the box at other stuff that would be bigger. So let's put Cloyd Steiger as the commander. You are the incident commander of this crime scene. You roll up on it. You know there's four victims in there. Where do you go? Well, first of all, if I'm the incident commander, I let my detectives do the work. <laughs> I don't jump in there and insert myself. First of all, the physical evidence, right away, you, the autopsies, go to the autopsies. How many stab wounds? Where were the stab wounds? The stabbing is up close and personal. And even though there was no sexual assault, a stabbing in this situation is almost sexual in nature because of psychologically. It's, you know, the up close, personal. It's one thing to shoot somebody from across the room, but another to stab them. How many times were they stabbed? I'm guessing they were stabbed multiple times. Now, this isn't one or two stab wounds a person. It's probably uh, several stab wounds a person. So then you have a frenzy thing going on there. Well, like you said, most people survived 
stabbings. And so almost vast majority survive stabbings, right? In, in order for all four of them to be deceased from this, you yeah. would think they would have to be stabbed multiple times. Uh, and I'd want to know also, is this just torso wounds or their throat slashing? Because throat slashing also has a kind of a sexual element to it. I mean, some, Vern Gebreth, who's the, who wrote Practical Homicide Investigation, he posits that throat slashing in itself is a sexual assault. And I tend to believe him most of the time. It's that up close personal thing, you know, and psychologically and all this stuff's going on. This guy's frustrated. Maybe he's contacted one of these girls. I would, first of all, I would speculate that one of the girls is the real target in this. You know, now why he went to different rooms, unless it's th all three girls are, and then the guy just happened to be there. I don't know, but I'd want to know, has have these girls been approached? Did anybody even ask them out and they, they spurned them and stuff? And do, do their other friends not know this? And I'm sure these detectives are doing all this stuff. You know, it's a big yeah. job, but you know, get this stuff done. And first of all, get on your crime lab to get right away. Don't put this, I, I used to have cases years ago. It's a lot better now where I'd put up the stranger murders and I'd put DNA. Yeah, we'll get to that. We can It'll probably be three or four weeks. No, it won't. We're going to do it now. This is not a burglary, right? This is, we're going to get, do it now. And I'm sure they have. Get it done now. Do fingernail scrapings right away. Do you have DNA? Do you have foreign DNA? Was this guy wearing gloves or not? He might've been when he was stabbing these people, but he might've, he might not have been. Then there'd be touch DNA on clothing, on bedding, on things like that. So that's where you want to bring in the MVAC and do those areas and try to get touch DNA. He probably did. Even if he's gloved, he probably had exchanged some DNA off skin somewhere, either an exposed right. wrist or he's drip sweat or something. And those are things that you want to get going. And hopefully they're on top of that. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.